This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we're going to go back a little bit to last week. Because it says if Noah lived in Avram's time, he wouldn't have been anything. So for us to understand that if Noah would have lived in Avram's time, he wouldn't have been anything, we've got to understand Noah and Avram. So that's what we're going to try to do today. I don't know if you remember, some of you were here, some of you were not, but we definitely didn't get this on TorahAnytime.com. Therefore, I must repeat it this year. We must get it on TorahAnytime.com. It's very important. So I'm very anti-drinking. If anyone here knows that. I'm very anti-drinking. A lot of rabbis are not anti-drinking. Come to my house. You know, I got blue, I got green, I got red. You know, everyone knows the difference in all the scotches and bourbons. And, and I happen to be a guy that's very anti-drinking. Sort of um, because I see what it does to people. You know, so when, you, when, you're, when you're a foot soldier... Right? Or when you're, you know, I told you always the story of the state trooper that stopped me and gave me five tickets because my kids were all not in seatbelts. And I said, give me one ticket. And he said, no, you're going to learn your lesson. You'll never do this again. And I was like, I didn't understand it. And he says, listen, you don't understand it. But I'm a state trooper. And what I do is my whole life I'm scraping little kids who go through windshields because their parents didn't put seatbelts on. I'm scraping them off the concrete. So when I see a kid... Not in a seatbelt, I see a kid that I'm scraping off the concrete. So to me, when your kid is not in a seatbelt, you are getting tickets for every single one of those kids. So I live in the world of dealing with kids and alcoholics and all that, so I see what it does. So some people think it's very harmless and they think it's very funny to invite kids to their house on Shabbos and get them blitzed and get them drunk or on Simchas Torah to give them whiskey till they're thrown up out of their brains until Atzala comes, right? And they're and they're and they're they're, they're half and, and they're half dead. Yes, is that wine? Oh, okay. Amen. Amen. So I take it very very seriously. On on the other on the other side of, of the of the coin. Um, the reason that someone gets drunk is even more serious than the getting drunk. Because the reason that someone's getting drunk is because he wants to get out of this world, so to say. He's escaping. Now, when someone's escaping, that means there's something wrong. So, if we keep drinking and we keep smoking pot and we keep getting high, then we never face the situation that we're running away from. And if we, don't, if we don't face the situation that we're running away from, our whole life, we're just going to keep running. And, and we're going to slow down because, you know, uh, the drinking's not going to get you. So then you've got to smoke up, and that's not going to get you. And then you've got to do pills, and that's not going to get you. And then you've got to do coke, and then you've got to do heroin. And you're continuously running, and you're continuously running until you're dead. The ultimate run out of the situation. And meanwhile, your whole potential from when you started running till you're dead you did nothing with your life, and you're stealing to pay for it. And it's an absolute disaster. And I think it many times starts with alcohol. It doesn't start with drugs. The alcohol is the first way out. You're a young kid, you drink beer, you drink that's the first way out. So people think it's just a big, fat joke. And, like, there's nothing wrong with getting blitzed. And let's get the kids blitzed, you know? It's a great way for a rabbi to get friendly with the kid because you don't have to talk to him and do nothing. You know, the guys all come to the house that has the best children and the best scotch. But, but what's, what, are you, what are you really giving them? You're not really giving them anything. You're helping them escape. But you're helping them. It's one thing you help them escape from prison. You're helping them escape from life, and you're bringing them into prison. Because once a person needs a drink, then you're not a free person anymore. So it's a very big misgiving. And it all started with Noah. So I want to read. I didn't bring my Yalkut Shimoni. If, um, 
Maybe you could look in the back. I don't know if they have. By the Medrash Rabbah, see if there's a, oh, he's going to look. There's a Yalka. But I, I have my Medrash. So I want, I want to tell you about running and what happened to Noah because he was running. In last week's parasha, it says the following. Okay. And they came out of the Teva. Now, what does that mean? If you look into the English translation, it says that Noah, the man of the earth, debased himself, embarrassed himself, and planted a vineyard. Planting a vineyard is debasing yourself? Why is, oh, thank you. Why is planting a vineyard debasing yourself? Okay, we're going to see soon. Right? And what does he say? He drank from the wine. He became drunk. He became drunk and he uncovered himself within his tent. He was drunk. He was running around undressed. I'm not going to use the word I used last week because I got into trouble, which is something I want to talk about tonight a little bit also. I gave a share last week and I didn't use the word undressed. I used, I don't know if it was the boy's share or the girl's share. It was a girl's share thing, whatever it is. I told you the whole thing that you know, if you brought a picture in the room here, you'd all go crazy if I brought such a picture. But you go to the natural, you go to the, to the Met of art, and everyone's not dressed, and it's art, and all of a sudden it's kosher, and it's and, and it's great. And if it's art, it's kosher, and if it's a movie, it's uh, it's cinema, it's uh, it's also art, it's also in the arts, right? Movies are in the arts, you know. So so, um, so I got a phone call today. I, I was waiting for this phone call, and and I got a phone call today. See, my phone's ringing. Let me turn off my phone. Whoever this is doesn't deserve to talk to me. They're not by the share. Anyway, so I got a phone call from a, a woman. She didn't tell me her name. She said, Rebbe Wallstein. And it's important because it's part of my shit tonight. She said, Rebbe Wallstein, you're a Rebbe, you're a rabbi. A lot of people follow you. I don't think you should have said that word. It starts with an N and then the next letter is an A, right? I don't think you should have used that word. And I said, um, if you open up the English translation and you look at what Adam and Chava were, that word, right? That's what it says in English translation. And she said, I know, but but you should have just said, not modestly dressed, because you're a rabbi and you're a rabbi. And I and I listened I listened to what she said, because I'm not above the law, right? I'm not I listened to what she said and I thought about it and I said she's hundred percent right. Because the point I was trying to make wouldn't have made a difference whether I said not dressed correctly or the word that I said. But I don't prepare a shear on a piece of paper where I read it. So if I would have read it and I would have seen the word N-A-K, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not going to say the word, N-A-K-E-D, right? So if I would have read that on my paper, I would have said, ooh, don't say that word, you know? It's not a nice word, even though I wasn't using it in that type of thing. So I said to myself, why did I say that word? Why did that word come out of my mouth? Why didn't I say not dressed modestly or appropriately or lush and lucky or or undressed. Even that starts to make you think and that's not a good thing either, right? So I, I told her I apologize and I told her I, 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 next time I'm going to think about it, I'm not going to use that word again, whatever, because I, I, I like Musa. I, I accept when someone tells me. She's right. She's like, your point would have been the same. It didn't make a difference. So if your point... What? The Torah is different than when a person uses that language. When the Torah uses that language, you don't have pictures in your head. When I use the language, you have pictures in your head. When I say something's hanging on the wall and in the ark, you're thinking already, right? When the Torah uses it, it's different. So, if you want to give an answer, sure, I can give an answer. Arts go translate it, whatever it says, you know, go talk to them, you know, it's the English. But, so, so I thought to myself, why did I use that word? 
So then I realized that I became very deep. It's my fault. But Moshe Feinstein gave a lot of shirim. He never used that word. For sure not. And he got his point, of course. And I don't think there was any, uh, I don't know any of my rabbis that ever used that word, you know, in, in, in class. So I thought to myself, sure, what happens is you become desensitized. I'm out there in the streets and I'm dealing with all this stuff. So that word to me doesn't mean anything. Right? It doesn't mean, it means they're going to the zoo and, no one, and none of the animals are dressed. To me, it's the same, you understand? So I became very desensitized. And we're going to see that Avram Avinu didn't allow in his house, when the, when the Malachim came to visit him, he didn't allow them to even bring sand into his house. So he said, you have to wash your feet at the welcome mat. You have to wash your feet, not because they had smelly feet. You have to wash your feet because they used to serve the sand in the desert, right? The nomads used to bow down to the sand all the time. The Arabs used to bow down to the sand. He says, you're not bringing sand into my house. What do you mean? I'm not, I'm not bowing down to it in your house. I know, but that's your avoid zone. You're not bringing your avoid zone into my house. Right? And when you learn, it's like, come on, I'm going to get over it. You can't bring sand into the house. So, so close your windows. Because they bow down to the sun too. So cl- put all the window shades down. Right? So the, the reason is that sand is, is um, it's a beautiful thought that I heard. Why taka was the sand that bothered them? They bow down to the sun too. Right? So why didn't he close all the shades? It's because <laughs> the sand represents to avoid the Zara. One grain of sand in your eye and you can't see anymore. So it was like a representation. Don't even bring, don't bring it to my house where I got my little boy Yitzchak growing up. Don't you bring anything into my house that even one drop of it's going to destroy you. You won't be able to see anything. What happens later, it's unbelievable because it's so true. What happens later? Later, when Esav gets married, he marries a Kanani and they, they start serving Avodah Zarah. The smoke goes into Yitzchak's eyes and Yitzchak becomes blind. So the question is, this is very important for all of us, the question is, why didn't Rivka become blind? She was in the same house with the same smoke, so he should have become blind, and, and she should have become blind. It says, avoid the Zohar smoke. He was on a holy level. She was just as holy as he was. And the answer is, it's beautiful. Chazal says, because in her house, Lavan and Besuel were always serving avoid the Zohar. They had the 32-inch television with the cable. They had it. In Avram's house... You couldn't even bring a kernel of sand in. So Yitzchak was so sensitive, so sensitive to avoid the Zara that a drop of smoke made him blind. Rivka was just as great, but she was born in a house of avoid the Zara. So it didn't bother her physically. So therefore, I am in such a world of where I, where I hang out, where I talk to guys in, in, in Monticello and all the stories that happen that I became desensitized. To say that word didn't bother me. But there's some girl up in Muncie who's very holy, who was very careful her whole life not to watch movies, and she's not involved with all this. And when a rabbi says that word, it triggers, oh my goodness, what's going on over here? It's a rabbi. He's teaching Torah. How can you say such a word? Do you understand? So, so you have to be so careful what you bring into your house for your children's sake. Television doesn't bother me. My house, my parents had a television. So you're never going to, you're going to hear me talk a little bit about television, about ragging about television, but not, not as much as I should. Because when I was growing up, it was the Three Stooges and Abbott and Costello, uh, you know what I mean? Well, and Superman and the Little Rascals. So what, what was I watching? It was black and white. 
and, 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 and everyone had to be totally covered, and, and, and there was no, God forbid, a, a dirty word or anything like that. So to me, television is not the end of the world. So I don't talk about it that much. Why? Because I was desensitized. Had I been brought up in a house where there was no television, and had I never gone to a movie, then I would be extremely sensitive to it. So we have to be very careful what we do when we bring in our house for our children's sake. For our children's sake. So if you have, if you have internet in your house, right, you have internet, then, then you can't get upset when your kids are busy on the internet and going to the wrong sites. Because they're not, they're desensitized. My father's always on it. It's in my house. The television's in my house. The internet's in my house. All the stuff's in my house anyway. Cable's in my house. So there's nothing wrong with it. So a lot of kids that watch the wrong things, they're watching it because their father is saying, well, Austin, what do you want from me? I only watch football. I have a television. I watch the news. And I watch football. You're right, but there's a television in the house. So now you can't ask your kid not to have a television in your house. So I call it spiritual DNA, but it's not even spiritual DNA. You become desensitized. So I told this girl on the phone, I said, I'm really sorry. I asked Mechila that you came to listen to my share. I mean, you listened to my Lotion. You're listening to my share, right? And that I said something that, that put you into shock mode. I said, so I need to go back and I need to cleanse somehow to be able to go into that world and then step out and, and that, that, that I should become sensitized again. How do you do that? By learning Musa. By learning Musa. So even if you have to go into the business world, guys, and you go into the business world and you hear it all the time and you go to a Yankee game and the guy in front of you is using every filthy word every five seconds. Nobody in this room even hears it anymore. You go to a Nick game or a Ranger game or a Yankee game or a Met game or a football game and, the, and the, they're sitting there and they're cursing and they're spitting and, they're, and you ask the guy, were they cursing at the game? I didn't hear anything. And the whole game, like, why? Because you, you're already so New York, so street, so Brooklyn that you don't even hear it anymore. And that's terrible, because when you don't hear it anymore, then you can say it without even realizing it. And that's what happened. And that's why the picture of it says, a person who says something under his breath, one day will say it out loud by accident. How many times in basketball, when I was a Rebbe, right, in the gym, this little kid, he's shooting the ball, Rebbe's sitting there, right, we're playing, and all of a sudden he'd miss the shot, or a kid would hit him, and he'd go, oh, blank. I would go, what? He'd go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said it. I said, that means you say it at home. Sure, you come to Yeshiva, you program, deprogram not to say it, but it means you say it at home. The person has to be very, very careful, very careful not to let himself be desensitized. And that's what America does to us. We're so used to everything that nothing, like they say, New York, nothing shocks you. I don't even want to talk about this week. I, I, I wanted to buy a newspaper this week. There was a, a, an article that someone told me to read. It was Friday. I went to buy, uh, it was the New York Post. And on the cover of the New York Post, oh my goodness, I said, <laughs> I can't buy this. This is not, can't come into my house. This is a newspaper with news. You understand? Have a nice day. Finish. Goodbye. Have a, so, right? Other people I saw, I was standing there, I was buying my Yated and my Mishpacha and my, you know, and, and my Bina and, you know, and there were guys that I know, they're from guys, and they're buying the New York Post. And hello, the cover picture you can't bring into your house, right? They didn't even see it. They saw it, but it didn't, even, it didn't even have an effect on them. You're so used to, you're so used to New York and Brooklyn and, and, and where we live that it doesn't mean anything. So how do you get back to be sensitized to this stuff? You have to learn Musa. You have to learn Musa. It's the only way. You have to go into your teva, sort of get out, you know, go to yeshiva half an hour a day or shul, and open up a Musa, say, Messias, Yisharma, whatever it is, you have, that's the only way. Because that wakes up your sensitivities again. Okay, now... I started off, I went off the derech here. Um, but I started, all right, Walston's off the derech. Okay, anyway, so I started, I want I wanted to read this 
amazing, amazing Medjistan Chuma. Listen to this amazing. So, so, so the question is, like, what happened over here? So Rashi says that, that he became Chulin. Um, how would you say Chulin? Um, hmm. Debased. That's how he translates it. Became debased, mundane, right. What happened? So what do you want from him? So he, so he, uh, so he, he came out, right? So I'll tell you what happened, exactly what I'm talking about. He comes out of the Teva, and the whole world's gone. All his friends, or not his friends, but people that he knew, the houses. Imagine, imagine you're saved, the whole world is destroyed. <coughs> Nobody you know, everything's new. You go to your block, your house is not there, your city's not there, there's nothing there. So he was sort of in depression. One of them, of course, should say that he was in depression that he didn't save the world. The whole time he's in the Teva, it's tossing, it's this and that. When he came out of the Teva, he saw, I could have saved this world and I didn't. Bottom line, I didn't. So, here we go. What does a guy do when you feel, you got to run, you got to run away. So he's going to, the first thing he did is he took out a vine. That This vine, says the Zayar, came from Gan Eden. And the power of this vine was that the minute you put it in the ground, it grew right away. The grapes grew. So otherwise, how do you get wine? He was just out of the table that day. How do you drink wine? How do you make wine? <coughs> make wine in one day. So what before says, I think that he had the wine on the table, whatever. But that this, this had the ability, because it came from Gan Eden, to grow in the same day, grow the grapes to become wine all in one day. So this is what he did. Now listen carefully. That day, he came out of the table, he planted it. That day, the grapes grew. That day, they became ripe. That day, he pressed them. Right? The same day, he drank the wine. That day, he became drunk. On that day, he, his, his embarrassment was shown. Now you have to hear the story. This is a wild story. This is for all my people Saturday night, TorahAnytime.com, because a lot of guys in here heard this already, but you got to hear this. This is very important. Not that they drink chas they don't drink. Just they never heard this. They never heard this. Listen carefully. This is what happened. When Noach decided he's going to plant this vineyard, this Satan guy, there's wine, he's there. The Satan is there to sell him a liquor license. Right? Also, the Satan shows up. He's here. Now, the same mistake that Chavah made. Exactly the same thing. Amalo comes to Satan. Now, he's a Malach. Comes to Noach, and he says to him, What are you planting? Hello, you're a malach. You don't know what I'm planting. He, the satan's koyach from last week's year is to get you into a conversation. Get you on the internet, right? And get you into the chat room. Then he's got you. Get you into a conversation, right? Anyone here that ever went into a chat room knows where that leads, right? So, he just wanted to have a little chat room with him. He said, what are you planting? So Noach fell right into it like Chava. I'm a loy kerem. I'm planting a, a vineyard, a vine. So the Satan said to him, What's the use of planting grapes? What's, what, what's it, what is it good for? Knowing, of course, what it's good for, but he's having a discussion. He said to him, 
Grapes are very sweet. The fruit is very sweet. Bain lach and bain yuvashim. Whether they're raisins, whether they're in their natural form, or whether you dry them. He's giving the sultan a whole lesson now, just like chava. He's going to teach him all about grapes. Hello, the sultan doesn't need you to teach him about grapes. Okay, now he made the mistake. Noach tells him, from these grapes you make wine. And that's what makes you happy. A good glass of wine, and you're happy. This is what he told the sultan. Not learning makes you happy, davening makes you happy, talking to your kids makes you happy, working makes you happy. Drinking wine, that's what makes you happy. Why? Says it to Hillim. That, that the wine, right, gladdens the heart, the, the heart of, a, of a person. So, have it to Hillim. So, Amalai has Satan. The Satan said, hey, man, one second. You want to talk about happy? I'm Mr. Happy. Because what is the Satan? F-U-N. That's it. That's the Satan. We know that. He's the guy who sells fun. Fun, fun, fun. Life's about fun. 14-year-olds tell me, right now I'm having fun. 16-year-olds tell me, right now I'm having fun. 40-year-old guys, when they're doing something wrong, tell me they're having fun. 60-year-old men, when they're doing something wrong, they're having fun. Every other we do is to have fun. So the Satan said, one second. You're telling me that wine makes you happy. I'm the king of happy. You want to know about happy. So how about a partnership? There's a medrash. It's not, not Rabbi Wallstein's tall tales. It's a medrash. So he said, he said to him, hey, let's be partners in this vineyard. Now, what does he need a partner for? Now, he, had, he, had, he was planting. He was growing. What does he need a partner? Amalo. So uh, he said to him, on my life, you bet. We're partners. Now, what are you going to do for this? What are you going to do? Bottle it? What are you going to do for me? Unbelievable. Ma'asa Satan. Listen to this Medrash Tanchuma. Thousands of years ago. And it's mamish today. So he said, so the Satan said, okay, now let me show you how to make wine. What did he do? Heavy kevesh, he brought a lamb. And he slaughtered it underneath the vine. Akakach heavy ari. After that, he brought a lion. And he killed him under the vine. He brought a pig. I can say that word, right? Yeah. He brought a pig, and he killed the pig underneath the vine. Then he brought a monkey. And he killed the monkey underneath the vine. What's going on over here? Mass murderer, the sultan, right? He's killing all these animals. He took all their blood. The monkey, the lion, the pig, the lamb. He took all their blood. And he poured all their blood to nourish that vine. And he get from this wine, the, the, the vineyard drank up the blood, right? And from that came the wine that Noah drank. So that means that every grape that's in this world, because it was all destroyed, came from the first vineyard where the Satan was a partner and killed four animals and put the blood into that vineyard. Now, what's the Satan's idea here? What did he do over here? Says the Medjishtan Chuma, and anyone in this room who ever got blitz knows exactly what I'm talking about. He says like this. When you first start drinking, it makes you very mellow. You're mellow. Everything's fine, like a little lamb. You're like, you drink a little bit, like everything's nice, everything's good. You're a little lamb. So he says the Medjishtan, he says, 
And if you want to cut my wool, you can cut my wool. I'm a lamb. The lamb lo- led to slaughter, right? Okay. Just a kohagin. If you start to drink, the world, kohagin means like enough. Harihu gibakari. You become a lion. I know guys. They're introverts. They don't talk. <coughs> Give them a little, and they're scared of, they're scared of a cat. Give them some wine and they're walking around. Yeah, who, who? Yeah, who's looking at me that way? Who's messing with me, man? I'll take him down right now. I'm like, hello? You never talk like this. Rebbe, man, I'll take him down. You should show me. Who's bothering you, Rebbe? I'm like, calm down, right? Guys came to me on porn. I was like, so who, who do you want us to take down? I'm like, I don't want to take anyone down. What are you talking about? This guy's the quietest guy. But what did the Eitzhara do? He put into the grave, he put the lion. So when you drink a little bit, you're mellow. You drink a little bit more, so you become a lion. But Armand, you say, there's no one like me in the whole world. I'm the man. You can be the most biggest loser, but when you're drunk, you're the man. That's the way it is. Medrash. Okay. Now, he says he drinks a little more. Now he's really getting drunk. Now he's drinking more than enough. Nasiki Chazir becomes like the pig. What does it mean? He makes it in his pants, says the Medrash Tanchum. A drunk, you see him laying in the, in the Bowery. They smell from urine. They, they make it in their pants. They don't go to the bathroom, right? This is all a setup. This was a setup because the blood of the pig is in the grape. It's the Medrash, right? He says, and then, he still drink. The Shtaker, when you're totally blitzed, Nasek Kaif. You become like a monkey. Oymed, you get up. This is the Medrash Tanchum. Umarakeid, you start to dance. Umesachek, you start to laugh. you start to curse. Guys who never curse, you start to curse. For any of you don't even know what you're doing. And all this happened to Noyach HaTzadik. So he saw that, so the Medrash Tanchumah says, Surely, if Tanakh had tzaddik, that the Torah says he was a tzaddik and he was tormented by the Rosh that this all happened to him when he got blitzed. Shabne Adam Alachas Kama Vakama. Sure, a regular person, what's going to happen to him? He's going to hit his wife. He's going to hit his kids. He's going to abuse everybody around him. What's going to happen to him? He says, and what happened from this whole thing? He ended up cursing his own child. He ended up cursing Canaan. Ora Canaan, he said to his own child from getting drunk. So here's the Medrash Tanchum. Now, this bothered me because Lamaisa, this is a wild. Sure, but he, he, the whole curse came because when he was drunk, Canaan came in and, 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 he, and he castrated him. So, so he, from the drinking, from getting drunk, from, walking, from uncovering himself in his tent, and I don't want to get into exactly what the Medrash says happened over there, but um, he, he, this whole thing came from getting drunk. Why? Because he was escaping. Instead of, and what does Rashi say? Why, 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 why did he do wrong? Because he should have planted wheat. <coughs> Instead of worrying about himself, I'm in pain, Rebbe, I'm in pain, Rebbe, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. He wasn't worried about the rest of the world. You come out, the first thing you do is take a drink. You come out, plant wheat, so there'll be bread in the world. You're busy with yourself? That was his mistake. And that's the difference between him and Avraham Avino. And we're going to get that in, in, in two seconds. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the Yalkut right away. But I want to tell you what the Yalkut says. He says the following, what bothered me. What bothered me was that everything we do, mitzvah, bris, pidyon ben, wedding, Shabbos, is all on wine. So what are you telling me, Wallstein, that wine is so bad... Every mitzvah that we have to drink is on wine. Abba Christ is Pesach, mitzvah on wine. Every Shabbos, Kiddush, twi- is, is Kiddush mitzvah al-yayin, al- al- right? 
Pidgin Aben, Yayin. Wedding, Shabbat Brachis, Yayin. Bris, Yayin. So, Havdallah, Yayin. It's all wine. So, if wine is such a terrible thing, right? So, it bothered me until I found this Yalkut Shimoni. Now, this Yalkut Shimoni says that it wasn't the Satam. He says it was a Shindalad. And he says the following. It, 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 he answers the question. He says the following. The only thing that brings stupidity to the world or trouble to the world is wine. Let's see if I can find it. So he says the Shindalad came to him and told him that you can, as long as you drink wine for the for the mitzvah, right? Then, ah, oh, here it is. Nope, he says the sultan. It must be the medrash rabba. He says the same thing. The sultan came. He said, "I'll be your partner," and he brought a. Yeah, he says the same thing. He says the same thing. Okay, so it's the, it's the medrash rabba. The medrash rabba says that it was a shindalit, and the shindalit said to him. Or you're going to have mitzvahs on wine because that's masakin. When you make kiddush on wine, all these things were masakin what Noach did. We fixed what Noach did. He used wine for the negative thing. We use wine for the positive thing. But the Shindal said to him that that's only when you do it for the mitzvah. But the minute you go above the mitzvah, then you're in my you're in my power. It's a, it's a, it's a medrash rabba. Then you're in my hands. So when you make kiddush, it's fine. But when you make kiddush and kiddush and kiddush and kiddush, and you only have to make kiddush once, and you make kiddush twenty times, and you're walking around blitz, then then you're already in his power. We have to be very careful. It's a, it's a, it's a beferish matter. We have to be very careful not to get drunk and not to become a drunk and not to drink and not to escape. We have to face our situations and we have to fix our situations. Because you're going to keep running, you're going to keep running. How many kids tell me, Rebbe, you know, I want to leave school, I want to leave school. Now it's, uh, I had school till five, now it's till six o'clock, I don't want to do it anymore, I don't want to do it anymore. And I can tell everyone that's sitting in this room that anyone who runs when he's a kid out of school, then he's going to run out of his job. And he's going to run out of his marriage. You have to learn to stick. Even if it's not, if it's hard, right? Even if it's hard, you have to learn to stick. If you stick, you'll stick for everything. If you run, you'll run for everything. So it's not about leaving school. It's not about the leaving school. It's that, it's that you're in school. Finish. My father was always into Finish. Finish the job. If you take it. Finish, because if you don't finish, you're not going to finish anything. And Taka, guys that drop out of school, the guys who drop out of school, they have 30 jobs before they're 20 years old. Because they drop out of school, the minute it gets hard, so now they get a job. They think, I'm going to go to the business world, right? They get a job, they're very excited, two, three weeks into it, it's getting hard, and the boss is making him work hard, and we'll him, find me another job. Find him another job, find him another job, find me another job. There's people in this room that hire these kids that know exactly what I'm talking. And every three weeks, these guys are leaving them. And they're like, Greg Watson, don't send me kids anymore. Because after, why is he leaving after three weeks? I'm paying him. And the answer is, he's a quitter. And if you're a quitter, you're going to quit on your wife, you're going to quit on your kids, you're going to quit on everything. So a person has to know that when you start something, you have to finish it. Because if you finish it as hard as it is, you'll finish the next step. School is one step, right? Then comes... Business is another step. Marriage is another step. And one step leads to the other step. And when you start quitting, you're going to be quitting everything in your whole life. You're going to end up with no job, with no business. And it's, I'm telling you, of course, there are exceptions to the rule. I'm not going to tell you that there are not exceptions to the rule. But the rule is if you're a quitter, you're a quitter. 
and you're going to quit on your wife, and you're going to quit on everyone. If anything that's going to get hard, you're going to run away. You come out of the teva, deal with it. Don't get yourself drunk. <coughs> so that brings us to Avraham Avinu. Now Avraham Avinu, which is at the end of Pasha's Noah, even though it doesn't tell us the Medrash, the, the best word I ever heard, one of the best words I've ever heard in my life was a question that I asked the Rav, and his answer just blew me out the door. There's, there's a whole Medrash, we're not going in today, the whole Medrash of Avraham Avinu with Nimrod. They took him, and they threw him into a kitchen of Aish, into a fire. It was so hot that 70 miles from the fire, the guys who were bringing him got burnt. It was not normal, right? He jumped into the kitchen of Aish, Hashem, and he sat there, and it didn't bother him at all. It doesn't talk about it in the Torah. It doesn't say one word. It's a Medrash. You learn Chumash, you're not going to see one word. The, the first... And hardest, one of the hardest tests that Abraham Avinu went through, it doesn't say in the Torah. All it says is the word, or Kazdim. That's all it says. Or Kazdim. Right? But Or Kazdim. So everyone says, what's Or Kazdim? What's the fire of Kazdim? So the Medrash says the fire of Kazdim was where they were. But if we learn Chumash, it doesn't say one word. Then, this week's Pasha, ooh. Now we're going to talk about a big test. Leave your country, where you were born, and your father's house. And it talks about it. And there's a very big deal about this test. It's a very big deal about this test. And Rashi talks about it. It was such a big test because you have to leave your family, and you have to leave your language, and you have to leave your country. Hello. He jumped into a fire. If he jumped into a fire, this is not a test. If a guy jumps into a fire and says, La Hashem, I'm willing, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for you, God. No, that test, is, we don't write in the Torah. We're going to write a big test. Leave your house, go to Israel. Wow. That the Torah is very busy and Rashi. What happened to the other test? And I asked this to this rabbi. I don't understand. Why are you hiding the story of Orkazim? It's an amazing medrash. You should learn it this week. It's in the Mamalais. It's 20 pages long. Low, low, the whole thing, his own father, his own father, Terach, who gave, he gave him to Nimrod. And, and, when, and when Avram was born, the stargazer saw that someone's going to be born that's going to throw Nimrod out of the kingdom. It's an amazing story. And, he, and Avram fights the whole world. He's called Ivri because he's on one side of the world. Everyone's on the other side of the world. Not a word about, about Avram fighting Hashem. 75 years. I'll tell you the Medrash tonight. Crazy story going out. The sun, the moon. Not a word. We're learning the Torah. Not a word. It's all the Medrash. But it's very excited this week's parasha that he left, that he left Eretz Yisrael. And this rabbi told me an answer that floored me. And he said the answer to this is that to give up your life for Hashem takes a second. To live your life for Hashem takes 120 years. It's much harder to live for God than to die for God. Think about it. It's so true. To No, he, he, was, he jumped into the fire. He was willing to die. He didn't. Hashem saved him. But he was willing to die. That's a second. It's a second. It's over for you, God, and it's over. But every day, thrilling. Every day, three times, Tillow, uh, davening with a minion. Every day, watching what your mouth says. Every day, watching what your eyes say. Living every day for Hashem. That, the Torah says, that's the test. Not jumping into the fire. And had the Torah 
talked about jumping into the fire, we would have said, you want to be, you want to show God your love? Commit suicide for him. Like the Arabs. They got that. That's what they learned. Say, for God, and blow yourself up. That takes a second. That's easy. That's easy. Yeah, it's a moment of bravery. But it's over in a moment. We say, blow yourself up. Every day we're going to go daven. And a fast day we're going to fast. And Yom Kippur we're going to be in shul. And three times a day we're going to go to Minyan. The Torah says, that's what I want to talk about, says Hashem. That's what I want written in my Torah. Not jumping into the fire. That's not. That's committing suicide for God. That's not what being a Jew is all about. Being a Jew is lech lecha, me'artzecha, you got to leave your country. You're an American. And they're telling you all these things. An American, you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to go to the movies and you got to be part of the culture and don't separate yourself. That's a test that you have to leave. Uvaladecha, your neighborhood. But it's my neighborhood, man. It's my neighborhood. It's my neighborhood friends. I know, but they're not Jewish and it's not good for you. But it's my neighborhood. It's where I was born. You know, I know my way around. But sometimes you have to leave your neighborhood because your neighborhood's not good for you. The hardest test. Sometimes you come from a home that doesn't support Yiddishkeit. Hashem said, you can't live with Terach. At this point, Terach hadn't done Tshuva yet. You got to leave all this. That, the Torah said, that's a test. Killing yourself, that's easy. You're thinking, we think, in our heads, killing yourself is hard. It's one second of bravery. One second of bravery. Living for God. That's what Avram Avinu was about. So I want to I wanna pick a little bit into, and then I'll, I'll, I'll end off with a story. I want to I pick into, a little bit into who Avram Avinu was and why was he the king of Chesed? In other words, let's just ask a, a, a logical question here. Why finding God? Let, let's, go to, let's go to Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was not brought up in a, in a religious home. There was no religious home. Okay? Total Balchuva. Total gear. He lived in a house surrounded by televisions. Huge. 65 inch on the wall, plasma, whatever you can with 400,000 channels of cable. His father sold idols. That's what he did. He had a television store. Right? He sold idols. Internet, iPods, whatever is bad for us, he had. He had. Rap music, all the good things. He had a huge store, whatever you needed. Any Yetzirah you needed, that was yours. He had Avodah If you wanted to be strong, you bought that Avodah You want to be pretty, you bought that Avodah It's an amazing medrash. This is the house that Avram Avinu was brought up in. So let all our excuses, hey, it's not my fault. You know, my parents aren't religious. You're going to meet Avram Avinu up there. Deal with him. Because his parents weren't religious either. That's for sure. Okay. So, he did something that was totally anti-Yetzirah. He thought. Yetzirah tries for all of us in this room to make sure that we don't think. We run to our store, we're on our cell phone, we're on our iPod, we're listening to our music, we're playing ball, we're watching the Giants, we're watching the Yankees. As long as you don't have to think, you can watch the Giants, and you don't have to think, you just watch, right? And the bigger the television, the less you have to think, right? And now they have all kinds of new TVs where they mamish think for you. They tell you everything that's going on, all the information. At least when I was a kid, right, I had to figure out first and ten, and, and they gained three. That means it's second and seven. We had to figure that out. So we did a little math. I used to tell my father, not just watching, I'm doing the math. You know, second and seven, you know, 30-yard field goal, but it's 15 yards he has to take back. So it's a 45-yard. You know, we did some math. Now, 
Not that I would know this, right? Just from people telling me, of course, right? <laughs> now, on the big screen, they do all the math for you. Second and third, which man and that, and they tell you where. They have a, a, a thing. They show you everything. Your mom is, you can, mom is just be a mushroom on a chair. You have nothing to think about. And the Yitzhahara wants to make sure you have nothing to think about. Nothing to think about. You have cell phones now that are, you don't have to even think. They do all the thinking for you. It's beautiful. You're on your car and you say, Moshe Chaim. And it dials. You might have to do nothing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Right? You don't have to know. They're going to have to do, they're going to put a little thing on your head, and you're going to think the number. Now you're going to say it. You don't have to say it. And it'll automatically, they probably have it already. And it's automatically done. It's a hard as kayak that you shouldn't think at all. Abraham Avinu stepped out of the box. He stepped out of the box. And he said, uh-uh, I want to think about this. This whole concept of avoid the zero. So he said, you know, we know all the story. When his father left, he started talking to them. And he said, so you're the, you're the idol of strength. You must be really strong. Come on, let's go. You know, let's go. Come on, hit me. And the idol just stood there. He didn't move anything. So he's like, hey, come on, idol, hit me. And he saw that the idol couldn't do anything. So he took a baseball bat. Well, it wasn't a baseball bat, but he took a bat or whatever it was, and he broke the idol, and the idol didn't do anything. So he came to the next idol. You're the idol of beauty. So make me beautiful. And it didn't do anything. So he realized that his father has got some scam going here. You know, it's like one of those things down in the basement where they sell electronics, you know? He's got one of these, these uh, he's sketching. It's the big sketch, you know? We have the big sketch. And then, half the kids I know, they work in the big sketch, you know? You get on and you sketch, you sell them things like warranties and schmarranties and things. They don't exist, they'll never exist, whatever it is, you understand? This Rebbe, I didn't say anything wrong. I told him there's a warranty and a schmarranty, but there's no warranty, eh, whatever it is. I told him it's brand new, they repackage it. It's brand new, but it's like sort of brand new. But okay, I don't want to go into the whole, the whole thing. But he realized that his father, his father had a sketch business. He's selling things that are supposed to do things. They don't do nothing, right? So he broke everything in the store. But he was a smart kid. So Romovino, it's going to be hard to make excuses because he, he was in the game. He's a smart kid. The biggest idol he left. They were all smashed. The big, biggest, his father comes back, and the whole store is done. The whole, imagine, you have a Verizon store, and every phone is broken, right? Your father came back, and every phone is broken. And you say, you see that big phone in there? The Razor. He cut them all. <laughs> he, he cut them. He killed them all, you know? The father's like, yeah, yeah, the razor killed them all, right? You know? Hello. So, what do you mean? That, that joke I got, a kid said to me, Rebbe, now that I have a razor. He says in the Torah, now that I have a razor. So he said, now that I have a razor, but I still have a razor. Anyway, a, ra- a phone. So, so his father comes back and says, this, this idol killed all the other idols. His father says, what do you think? I'm stupid. Idols don't do anything. They, he couldn't have broken. You broke them. Ah, I got you. You, you just said that they can't do anything. You're selling them to everyone else that they can do something. So he saw that we're in trouble, Terach. We have a kid that thinks. The whole world wasn't thinking. They were all partying. It was one big, fat club. Party. Nimrod was the king, and the world was partying. Nobody's thinking. He ran, the Medrash says, he ran to Nimrod. He says, my kid is going to give us trouble. Because he started to think. Okay. So now he knew what wasn't real. And some of us, that's where we stopped. Christianity, I don't think it's real. Muslim, uh, Buddhist, little fat guy, no, that can't be real. You know, all these monks that shave their heads, I'm not going to look like that, I'm not joining that thing. Right? And, and you have all these excuses, but what about Judaism? Like, you know what's not real, but why don't you find out what is real? Find out what you have. No, no, that's already too hard. I know all the other stuff, that, uh, but Judaism is right, but, but that's it. Wrong. He walked outside and he said, there has to be, you know, the watchmaker theory. If there's a watch, there's a watchmaker. You can't have a watch without a watchmaker. So he walked outside, and he was searching for Hashem. And he looked up, and he saw the sun. 
And he said, the sun you can't look at must be God. Logic, you can't look at it, must be God. But then he wanted to see 24 hours, and of course, 12 hours later, the sun was gone. God can't be gone. God has to be all the time. Out came the moon. He said, it's the moon. The moon went away. And he went through every theory that you could possibly go through. He said, fire is God and water. He went through Chagadja. He went through the Chagadja. Fire is God. Water put out the fire. Water is God. The cow drank the water. It's Chagadja. That's what he went through. The, the, the cow drank the water, so that can't be God. So the, so the cow is God, right? Which the Indians still believe. They stopped in the middle of Chagadja, those guys, right? Didn't finish. You would have finished, you find out that the cow can't be God because the Sheikh came and he killed the cow. You can't kill God. Oh, so the human being is God. So Avraham Avinu walked in and says, I'm God. You've heard that before, right? I'm God. But then he saw that people died. So he said the human being can't be God. So he came to a conclusion that there's something in this world, that there's someone, something in this world that's running the world that's called the watchmaker theory. And there's, there's, there's the, the most, one of the most beautiful medrashim is this week, where he said, a person walks in the desert, Ubira, there's a palace that's lit up, and the smart person knocks on the door and says, who's the master, I gave this share already, who's the master of the palace? The palace in the desert doesn't just happen. The smart person says, who's the master in the palace? <clears throat> and he knocks on the door and he finds the master in the palace. It's the same thing in this world. You don't got to be brilliant, and you don't got to be genius. Just get up in the morning, I do it every morning, Baruch Hashem, I go to my mezuzah, before I walk out the house, I open the door, and I look up at the sky. And the sun is there. Every, even if there's clouds, I mean, it's light outside. Every day, God is on time. He never misses. The sun is never, when you wake up and CNN's going to say, Oh my God, there's no sun! It didn't happen in 5,000 and, and, seven, and, and the amount of years, 767 years. It hasn't happened that the sun didn't come up and the sun didn't go down. That it just, I mean, a few times there were Nisan, but the sun's... So you get up in the morning and you look and you say, he hasn't missed in 5,000, you do the math, 5,767 years times 365 days. You do the math. God hasn't missed a sunrise and God hasn't missed a sunset. I am not an idiot to say that this world just happened. If it just happened, then once in a while, the sun just wouldn't come up. Right? How can it just keep coming up, keep coming up? So there has to be a master of this, of this disaster, of what's going on in this world. But there has to be someone who created this. So Avram Avinu came to the conclusion, he was 75 years old. He didn't find this at Bar Mitzvah. 75 years old, he finally walked in and he said, none of this is God. There's one God that created it all. And Hashem said, now I'll talk to you. And what was the first words Hashem said? Wow! You found me? I love you? Get out of where you are right now. He met God. He said, I found him. First thing Hashem says, okay, leave your house, leave your family, leave your country, leave everything else. And Abraham Avinu became the biggest Balchesed that was ever in the whole world. And the question is, if anyone here can think, what does this trip to find God and finding God, how does that translate into me becoming the biggest and the root of all Chesed in the world? So he continued to think. And he said, now I know there's a master of the world. Why? Why? Okay, so now I know there's one creator. Why did he create this world? And he began to think, why did Hashem create this world? And he came to the conclusion that he understood that the only reason that God could have created a sky and a moon and a sun and flowers and birds and all these things that he thought were God 
Why did God create all these things that he thought was God? Must be, he did it for our good. What's doing something for someone's good? Chesed. So his whole becoming of Ramavino and believing in one God was understanding that the reason there's one God and the reason he created this world is chesed. And that there's no boundary to God's chesed. Because the tzaddik gets up in the morning, boys, and there's sun, and there's air, and there's fruit, and the Russia gets up in the morning, and there's sun, and there's air, and there's fruit. There are guys in this room who, are, who deserve to have the sun every morning, and there are guys in this room who don't have But guess what? The sun comes up in the morning for everybody in the world. For the biggest Russia, for the guys that are doing the biggest sin, the sun still comes up. And it still rains. And there's still fruit. And there's still flowers. And there's still air in the world. Why? Give the air to the tzaddikim and let the rest of them choke to death. Put them in a smog. Put them in smog. And the answer is that a kashbohu's chesed is without a cheshman. It doesn't have, how do you say cheshman in English? Um, what? Without a calculation. God does chesed without a calculation. There's no calculation. It's just given. Bad, good, you all get the sun. Bad, good, you all get to eat. Bad, good, you all get a nose to breathe through and eyes to see. Doesn't make a difference. That, the only one that had that kind of chesed, there were two people in the world, ever, was Avram Avinu and Rivka. That's it. Avram Avinu's chesed was no judge judgment whatsoever. Three low-life Arabs, one a sailor, low, the lowest Arabs in the world, came to him for food, he bowed down. And there's a machloikis in Rashi when he said, Be Adoni, Adonai. If he was talking to them, calling them my master like God, or talking to Hashem. There's a machloikis. I don't want to compare, but three street people, right? Come in, you see me outside on, on, on East 15th Street. And three lowest guys on the earth, cursing, drooling, the whole works with a bottle, right? And they come up to me and I say, I bow down to them, and I say, Adonai! Who in this world is going to think I'm talking to them? How could Rashi say that the rabbis that say that he was talking to them, he wasn't saying Hashem's name, he was calling them Master. And the answer is, because Avram Avinu had no calculation. Arab, rabbi, made no difference. Hashem doesn't have a calculation. His chesed pours. It just pours. Russia, Tzaddik, live in the same world. She put the Risham in one kind of world. No birds, no flowers, no colors. And put the Tzaddikim in another world. In this world, in the, the world that we live in, there's no calculations. It's a chesed that's totally given and open. And the only one was Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu took a whole cow. They weren't cheap. Took a whole cow and took the tongue of that cow and gave that to one. And then he took the tongue of the next cow and he took, killed the whole cow to get a tongue to give these lowly Arabs who are not paying, right? They're not paying. She's coming out of the desert why? Because there's no cheshman. We all are not on that level. We all have a cheshman. We have a cheshman. Guy comes to my house for tzedakah. Do I know him? Do I not know him? Do I think he's ripping me off? We right away figure in our head how long he deserves to talk to me. First five minutes, I'm nice. When he says, I need 40 minutes, no. You don't deserve 40 minutes. Everybody automatically make a cheshman on our head. How much time the other person deserves. Even when you do cheshman, and I'm not, again, we're not on Abraham Abinu's level. Even you do cheshman, you go to a nursing home. Before you go to a nursing home, you're thinking... One hour. One hour. That's chesed with a cheshman. You go to a nursing home and say, 
As long as they need me, I'm there. It doesn't make a difference. That's Avraham Avinu's Cheshven. That's Avraham Avinu's Chesed. Where does that Chesed come from? Listen carefully. That Chesed comes from finding God. So when people tell me that I'm a good Jew, I do good things, so I don't keep the mitzvos, or non-Jews, they're, they're good people. The answer is yes, they're good people, they have a cheshbon. To be a good person without a cheshbon, you have to have God, because the whole basis of Avraham Avinu, of, of becoming such a person, is a person who finds God and understands that HaKosh Baruch has that cheshbon, and I'm trying to be like him. I can't have any cheshbonness at all. There's no cheshbon when it comes to chesed. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about tzedakah. When you do something for someone else, just do it. If you want to do it like God, whether he's good, whether he's bad, whether he's true, whether he's not true, it doesn't make a difference. Hashem does, doesn't say, oh, you, you're bad. No air for you today. It doesn't work like that. So Avram Avinu, by finding Hashem, found this unbelievable midah of chesed. I just want to end. and It's, 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 it's very, very, very important. And, and it's, it's interesting because... The first test, and, and, and I'm sure when you learn Chumash, it's a nice Torah to say at the table, the Shabbos. When you learn Chumash this week, and you look at Lech Lecha, so Hashem gives him a reward right away. He says, if you, if you, if you go, then I'm going to, I'm going to make you a big nation, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great, it's going to be a bracha. So what kind of test is that? God comes to me and says, listen, Wallerstein, I want you to move out of Brooklyn right now, I want you to go to Muncie. Yeah, my guarantee is God, you go to Muncie, you're going to be a millionaire, famous, your kids are going to grow up great. Is that a test? That's not a test, right? So, so what's this whole test over here? So, it's unbelievable. The, the Mepharshim say that that was the biggest test. Because Hashem said, even though I'm going to reward you with all this, I want you to go only because I said so. Not because I'm going to give you. In other words, Hashem tells us that if you do a mitzvah, you're going to get Adam Havah. And if you do Kibbutz of Aim, you're going to live long. Right? So, so what kind of test is that? If you believe in God, and He's telling me that if I do all the mitzvahs, I'm going to have Adam Abba, of course I'm going to do all the mitzvahs. And the answer is that now that He told me all this, I have to do all the mitzvahs, not because I'm going to have Adam Abba, but because Hashem said so. And that's the biggest test of all. So he says, a very interesting, he says a very interesting story. It's a very famous story. It's a brilliant story. This is a true story. There was this big, big tzaddik. His name was Rabbi Ezel Kharif. Harif means very sharp, but that was his name. And he came to Velazhin. The Velazhin, uh, Velazhin, Velazhin was a very big yeshiva, and he was looking for a chassan for his daughter. Listen to this. So there were hundreds of boys, and they were very big Tamidic Chacham, and they were all geniuses in Velazhin. So who, which boy do you pick? So he said, I'm going to come up with a question, and any boy that answers this question, he gets to marry my daughter. Okay? So he came up with a question. And they all got online, all the Bukharim, he said, they all got online, all the guys, and night and day, he was there for a long time, night and day, they came with their answers, and every single of them got it wrong. Every single kid, every single guy got it wrong. So at the end, he said, I'm really sorry, I went through every Bukhar, every Bukhar in Yeshiva, not one guy has it right, I'm not, my, my daughter is not for any of you guys, I'll go find him in a different Yeshiva. And he left. Listen to this amazing story. And he left. He's down the street, he's leaving. All of a sudden, a boy comes screaming, Stop, stop, stop! And his name was Rav Yosef Schlaufer. And he says, Rebbe, um, I need to talk to you. So Rav, e- Rav Ezel said to him, 
Oh, so you, 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 have the, you think you have the answer? You think you have the answer? He says, no, low Rebbe, I don't have the answer. He says, but how could you come and ask us a question and leave without telling us the tenets? You're just going to leave us here? You can't just... He said, that's what I was waiting for. You'll marry my daughter. Because it bothers you, the question. That was the whole thing. I knew none of you would get the answer. But I wanted to see who cared about learning. I asked the question of learning. You don't have the answer. So everyone said, I'm not getting his daughter. Who needs to know the answer? They're not really learning for real. That was his test. Brilliant. He says, you're learning. You're ready. Okay, tell me the answer. I'm not going to get your daughter because you're giving me the answer. I'm not giving you the answer. But I don't care about your daughter. You asked the question, and I don't know the answer. I need to know the answer. You're, you're my son-in-law. Brilliant. You're my son-in-law. Okay. So, yeah. So the story is like this. It was a very funny mother-in-law story. He said, cut him in half. She said, cut him in half. He said, you're my mother. Oh, I don't remember. Okay, if I remember at the end, I'll tell it to you. Anyway, so I just want to end with, okay, so, so Rabbi Wallstein, tonight was like a little bit of a different sheer. Um, the bottom line is, how can I get rid of all this stuff in my life? And, and, and everyone's going to think I'm weird. You know, I'm searching for God. I'm getting close to God. You have friends already. You have friends that go to movies. You have friends that watch television. You have friends that, that you drink with. And you have all these friends. And, and, and they're all going to think that, you know, that you're weird, that you're changing. And, and it's it, one of the hardest things, one of the biggest weapons the Yetzirah uses against us is our friends. You should know that. It's our friends. Because if he's my friend... That alone, just by he's my friend, so so then he only he, automatically by saying he's my friend, he only wants what's good for me. So when he doesn't want what's good for me, and he's still my friend, it's a contradiction. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't. So it's very hard to walk away from your friends. And many of us have a time in our life that we want to walk away. I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not going to clubs anymore. I, I'm going to learn. I'm going to daven. I'm going to minion. And and your friends are like, come on, come on, tomorrow, come on. You went to some shit, they made you crazy, some rabbi got you. Come on, come on, this is stupid. Anyway, it's going to last for a week, you're going to be holy for a week, you're not talking to girls, yeah? in a week you're going to be like that, and he's my friend, they're going, rabbi, rabbi, and he's gone. In two seconds, and that's it, it's over. Because that feeling only happens every once in a while. So, so Avram Avinu, it's very interesting, he, he, the last zingo that the Yetzirah wanted to get him when he found God, is that the whole world called him Ivri. Ivri means you're on the other side. You're in the sugar. You're out of your mind. So the whole, he, they, they said, Avraham Avinu was not out of it. The whole world, they're like, we believe in Nimrod is God. And the sun is God. And there's some crazy guy walking around named Avraham about this one God, right? We're going to call him Ivri. Meshuggah on the other side. He's on the other side. The guy's crazy. And, and, and it's very interesting because what was the first thing Hashem told him? When he realized, when he became Avraham Avinu, when he found Hashem, Hashem said, you're going to have to separate yourself from everybody that you know till now. Now I'm thinking to myself, listen carefully, this came up to me when I prepared this year. So this was sent down from Shemayim. Hold on, guys. What are we worried about here? Avraham Avinu had a yeshiva. He had a yeshiva for boys, Rashi says, for boys, Sarahat for girls. Right? He's stark, you know? He's stark. He found God. What is Hashem throwing him out of his of, of his home, his family, his friends, build up the yeshiva. Right? Bechoron, he made, it says, 
He made a lot of Malchubas. Now you're going to take him out of there. He's not going to make any more Malchubas. Right? So what are you doing? He has a great yeshiva. They have 2,500 girls. It's exploding. He wants to build a building with a pool and a gym and a dorm. And Hashem says, get out. I, I would be very weird if I'm trying to build Ornava, Right? I'm trying to build Ornava and, 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 and we're successful and we be Karib and it's growing and I, and I have building plans and that and all of a sudden another comes to me and says I just got in a VS. God said leave now go to Phoenix, Arizona <laughs> I was like you're crazy you're dreaming because I'm doing great over here why would Hashem send me out what am I doing wrong what is he worried about and the answer is I thought I was preparing today that the whole thing was every the whole thing is they were working on him you're different you're weird you're, you're not like us if you're going to leave even on Avraham Avinu in a place where everybody is telling him you're different, it's going to get even him. So Hashem said, even you have to leave. You can't hang out if you're a good boy, if you're changing and you're growing, guys. You can't hang out with the old gang and say, I'm going to be different than them. I'm going to hang with my boys, but I'm going to be different. Even Avraham Avinu couldn't stay where he was. Hashem said, you got to get out of here. Every... They keep telling you you're different, you're different, you're different. It's going to get to you. Nobody wants to be different. We all don't want to be different. People don't want to be different. We want to be liked by everyone. We want to be part of something. We don't want to be different. So Hashem said the first thing when he found Hashem, Hashem said, Lechocha, get out of your family because your family's going to keep telling you you're crazy, you're meshuga, get normal, get back to the family. What you're doing is crazy. Sooner or later, your family's going to get to you. If your family doesn't get to you, your atzacha is going to get to you. In America, what you're doing is not American. It's not democratic. Too many rules. The country's going to get to you. And if the country doesn't get to you, the neighborhood's going to get to you. Where you're born. So therefore, if you're changing, sometimes you have to step out of the gang. You have to step out of the guys. Because no matter how strong you are, if you're going to be with them, even if Ramavina was told, Lech Lecha, you got to go. Get out of here. Go to Eretz Yisrael. It's not going to work. It's very, peer pressure is the number one reason that guys fall. Not their Rebbe, not their parents, and not them, their friends. So you have to move from this group that keeps telling you you're Meshuggah, you're crazy, because they're jealous, because you were strong enough to make a change, you were strong enough to go to a shear, you were strong enough to say, guys, I think we're doing something wrong. They're just jealous of you. That's all it is. He stepped up. And I couldn't, then I'm a worm. So what do I do? I should step up now and not talk to girls and not do all these things? Are you crazy? I'm just going to take him down. And once I take him down, I'm not a worm anymore. Then, then we're all kings. So your own friends, not to talk about friends, I have friends too, your own friends make it very hard on you. You don't gamble anymore? Okay, just come to Atlantic City with us and sit next to us. What are you, that's my friend? I stopped gambling? Now you're telling me to sit next to you? You want me to sit there like, and, and, and get the shakes? No, he wants you to sit there and say, okay, one bet. And he wants to get you back into what you're doing. I, he loves you. He really loves you. But he, but, but he, can't, he doesn't love the you that you're becoming. Because it's going to make him, listen carefully, it's going to make him hate himself. Nobody wants a friend that's going to make him hate himself. So he's going to try to take you down. And this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Avraham Avinu. You have to go. Even though you're being macabre and you're doing a great job. But these are your people that you brought up. These are, hey, Abe. I'm here to buy an Avaid Zara, Abe. What's up? You know? And now you're a big tzaddik. They're just going to make fun of you. They're just going to make you feel different. So, I'm going to take a story that changed 
many of my Talmidim's lives, most of you did not hear the story. It's a 40-minute story, so I hope you have till 12 o'clock. But I'm going I'm to say it to you in five minutes. I'm going to make it a five-minute story. It's a little bit out of the box, you'll have to excuse me, but that's me. So, this lady goes to the grocery store, and her kids want to wanna, wanna plant things. So, she buys apple seeds. She buys a little bag of apple seeds. And I want to talk about these apple seeds. So, the lady goes, she digs a hole in the ground. You got to dig a hole 18 inches deep. 18 inches deep for, for a tree. They dig the hole 18 inches deep. And she takes four, five, six of these seeds, she puts them in, and she covers them up with dirt. Okay, here we go. We're all going into this hole now together. We're going to listen to the apple seeds talk to each other. Okay, they're hanging out, right? And they're like, so now what? It's dirty, it's wet, it's dark. What's supposed to happen? So one of them says, well, from what I hear, um, we're going to grow. And we're going to become trees. The guy's like, Ugh. all you guys you believe this stuff I don't believe any of this stuff he says okay let's see what happens and they, of course anyone knows anything about, about being a farmer the first thing that happens to the seed is what it rots so the guy's like yeah we're really growing great we're rotting hello we're rotting and he's like no no I have a Messiah I was told I was told that we're gonna the Ganeiden you know there's another world there's another Maba. there's another world I was told that very soon we're going to break out of this darkness. And, 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 and come here, guys. Come around the campfire. All the other seeds, right? The rabbi apple seed. He says, guys, let me tell you. Let me, not Johnny Appleseed, rabbi apple seed. He says, let me tell you a story. You know, I was told that we're going to, we're going to break out of this dirt and this filth and this gullus that we're in, right? I'm giving you a story of Mashiach. Of this gullus and this filth and this dirt. And we're going to pop out of it and there's going to be a thing called the sun. And they're like, yeah. And it's going to be light. Yeah, and it's going to be warm. Wow, what else? And then, guys, you don't even understand. This is such cool stuff. It's Kabbalah. I learned Kabbalah. It's an apple seed. I learned Kabbalah. Right? Kabbalah. Zoyar. Apple seed Kabbalah. Zoyar. And then, you're going to start to grow, and there's a thing called rain. And they're like, what's rain? I don't know. It's like wet. And, and like, when you're hot, it just it lands on you, and then like... You drink it up and you're refreshed, and it's like crazy. It's like it's like 120 proof light stuff. It's like it's like wild stuff. It's like unbelievable. Yeah, what else? And he says, then there's this thing. Now we can't understand because we're in the dirt, but I don't know if it's true or not. But that's crazy. Something called wind. It's just like you're just out there, and it's like to one side and to the other side, and all you can see all the apple seeds going with them together. Right. And there's one guy, the one guy, you know, the one guy in the Chabura that's sitting there like, yeah, right, you know. This guy's crazy, you know. He's in every, he's on the other side. He's nuts, right? Okay. And he's saying, telling the whole time, don't listen to the rabbi Appleseed. The guy's Meshuggah. Don't listen to the Kabbalah he's telling you. There's no sun, and there's no, and there's no wind, and there's no rain. There's dirt! And we're dying in the dirt! Anyway, he says, listen, guys, the only way to get to this heaven for apple seeds the only way to get there is you gotta push we gotta push you know how hard it is can you, you ever see a, a plant when it's growing you have to push through 18 inches of dirt they don't have legs it's not like you know they don't have legs they're, they're not on steroids that's for sure right so it's not gonna be easy to push through the dirt right it's very hard 
for a plant to push. So he's telling you want you want you you want that now? We gotta push. And the guy sitting in the back is like, I'm not pushing. I'm not pushing. This whole thing's a bluff. That's how an apple seed dies. They put you in the ground, you rot, and and Kfura, Levaya, and have a nice day. You know? Let's just sit around talking, you know, talk about the old days and and that's it. He's like, we gotta push. So right away half the apple seeds say, we're going to stay with this guy because they're lazy. They don't want to push. We're going to stay with this guy. You're, you're selling us a bill of sale over here. Canadian with all the stuff, you know. And half, half, half the people you go and talk about the next world. And guy, they say, ah, there is no next world. There is no other world. Why do they say that? Because they don't want to work. Why does someone say there is no God? Because he wants to do whatever he wants. Every person knows there's a God. You're not an idiot. You go outside. You look at the site. You, 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 you figure it out like Abraham Avinu figured it out. It was logic. It wasn't the Ruch HaKadosh. Hashem didn't come to him in a dream. Logic. He walked out. Okay, let's go. Tomorrow we'll all go outside. We'll start trying to figure out. The sun goes out. We can do the same thing. Only an idiot. Only an idiot says a watch on my hand. It just happened. I woke up this morning. That's what the atheists say. You had no watch. And you woke up in the morning. If I told anyone that story, if you told it to an atheist, I got to tell you a great story. I went to sleep. I had no watch. I woke up. There was a watch on my hand. Really? Impossible. Somebody put it on your hand. No. No, it just happened. But there's a million little pieces moving in here. I know. It just happened. The atheists would tell you, you're a liar, you're, you're a fool, you're an idiot. So then you look at the atheists and they would say, this is a watch. So you're telling me that this whole world just happened. So why can't a watch just happen? If a whole world can happen, surely this is what the Chavetz Chaim, this is a famous story, that a watch can happen. So the wa- the fam- a, watch ma- a watch means there's a watchmaker. There's a world, there's a maker of the world. You have to be an idiot. But if I want to f- do whatever Avera I want, the first guy i got to get rid of is God. Once I get rid of God, then my parents... I don't have to get rid of my parents because what do my parents have to say? There's no kibbutz of aim. I can kill, I can rape, I can do anything I want. There's no Torah. There's no God. So I can be a cannibal. I can go to the Amazon and eat people because there's no God. Or I could be an Inca, Maya, and take my children and bring them up as sacrifices. There's no God. So if there's no God with rules, if I want to sacrifice my kids, I can sacrifice my kids. You pretty much can do anything you want. So the atheist is not an atheist. Because most atheists are very smart people. They just want to party. Or they want to do what they want to do. So they get rid of God right away. So people who don't want Yiddishkeit, they don't want to work. It's just they don't want to work. If you could take a pill, I don't think there's anyone in this room that if I would come over to you and say, just take a pill, and you're a rabbi, a chassid rabbi, tzadik, galadar. Galadar, you take this pill, beard grows out, right? Your eyebrows grow out, you become brilliant, and holy, there's a light coming out of your face. Just take this pill. Everybody in this room will take the pill. So if I tell you that you can become a Galadar, but you have to learn and you have to work and you have to daven and you have to go to Minyan, that you're not willing to do. But it's the same end. The reason is, not that you don't believe that you don't want to be a Ramosha Feinstein. I want to be a Ramosha Feinstein. I, 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 want to, I want to be a Rapam. I want to be a big tzaddik that's kind and gentle and, and, and close to Hashem and brilliant. I want that. So why am I not a Ramayisha? Because I don't want to do the work to get there. Give me an easy way to get there. So that's why the Yetzirah, he's the best. He gets you down to the bad side very easy. Just a couple little things. You don't have to work very hard to be bad. To be bad, you don't have to work hard at all. So these apple seeds, I'm finishing. These apple seeds, so half of them got lost. But this rabbi apple seed, he's pushing his class. He's got four guys left. Now they're six inches from the surface. Nebuchadnezzar's poor guys pushed for 12 inches. Took them six weeks. Pushing through dirt. There's no sunlight. And they start to say, hey, Rabbi, there's no sunlight. There's no rain. 
come on, we didn't just keep pushing through this dirt. Those guys that we left back there, 12 inches down on the ground, they were smart because we're in the same place they are and we're working like Mishugom for the last three weeks. And two, two more back out and say, that's it, we're going to stay here. We're not going any further, six inches from the surface. Guys, if you could see this story, you'd be screaming at the ground, you're crazy! You did 12 inches already! Six more inches, we're here! Hello! You'd all be standing there. Nobody in this room knows how far you are from the surface. You guys are growing, and then, ah, I can't do this. I'm not going to minion anymore, Rebbe. And the Malachim is screaming, you idiot! It's one more minion, and you're in! That's Yetzirah. He says, nah, you tried so hard, you tried so hard, you tried so hard. Everything the rabbi told you, everything you're learning, it's not true! So just put this in the picture, that these guys pushed for 12, three weeks, 12 inches, killing themselves, and they gave up. Nebuch! On those apple seeds. And there's two guys left. The rabbi and his friend. And he says, it's got to be. It's got to be. There has to be an end to this dirt. And he continues pushing, and he continues pushing, and he's one inch off the surface. And the other guy says to him, You've been fooled, Rabbi. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm not taking another step. I'm not taking another step. I'm stopping. And he stops and he begs him. And he says, listen to me. I'm telling you, it's 18 inches. We're, 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 we're 17 inches. We're one inch away. He says, listen, they sold you a whole story. The guys 17 inches ago, they were the smartest. They didn't have to push at all. The other guys that we left six inches ago, they're probably, they're probably partying over there, whatever it is. He says, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't do this. I'm not doing this and I can't do it. And he stops. And the one last guy, he pushes. And he pushes and he pushes. And if anyone in this room can imagine when he breaks surface, what it feels like. He breaks surface. And everything that he dreamt and everything he was taught and the Messorah that was given to him is true. And he breaks surface and there's sun and there's rain and there's wind. And he says to himself, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to send my roots. My roots. I'm going to send them down to get my friends. I'm going to save them. And he sends his roots to his friends one inch away from him. But he's dead. Because when a seed stops growing, it dies. You plant a seed and it stops growing. It dies. So all those seeds that he left behind, that he's trying to save, that he's trying to bring across the surface, they're dead. And he says, if I would have pushed him a little more, if I would have put him on my back and carried him, I would have saved him. And he grows up, and this tree grows and grows, and all of a sudden, he's a year, you know, I don't know if you ever saw an apple tree, a year, it's probably about this high, like a twig, and all of a sudden there's a voice from above him, and he looks up and he sees this crazy big tree with hundreds of apples, and the big tree says, so, you're the only one in the packet, like me, that believed in this. (laughs) He says, you look at the orchard, you see all these trees? Every one of them had 20 friends. Listen carefully to the story. This story, when I heard the story, this story changed my life. And when I repeated the story, to, I don't want to say his name. Because listen carefully. Because in the orchard, they looked at an orchard. There were hundreds of trees. And every tree said, little twig, you're the only one from the packet that made it, right? Because each one of us was the only one. Because the other ones did not believe. One out of 
the packet made it. We're all one other packet. He says, but let me tell you something. When you're going to be as big as me, you're going to have fruit. And every apple, I have 250 apples every, every autumn. And every apple has five, six, seven seeds. You do the math. Because you made it, there are so many seeds that are going to come back to this ground. And even if only one out of six make it, it's going to make an orchard. It's a very deep marshal. Avram Avinu, he was that, that seed. His chesed was that he didn't stop. That he didn't leave anyone behind. And therefore, and this is, what I, this is the end, therefore the Torah tells us, Adam he made people in Choron. He made Nefashais in Choron. And therefore, I'm begging everyone in this room, you have friends, every one of you has friends. Schlep them, don't have to schlep them to my share. Schlep them to a shear. Because it's not good enough for you just to break the surface. You got to bring them with you. Because every one, one, that you bring with you will have children. And those children will have children. And those children will have children. And if you do the math, if you save one person, I did the math, it's a crazy number. After eight generations, I think it's 400,000 people. On an average of six children or seven children per generation. I did ten divided by two, whatever it is. It comes out to a crazy number. One friend, one person. But if that person doesn't want to come along with you, you can't let him keep you under the ground because once you stop moving, you rot. Being a Jew and spirituality with us is a is if you don't go up the steps, you're going down the steps. If you stop and say, I'll come back later, you're going to come back later to find something that isn't there anymore. So the, the power of this week's parsha of Avraham finding Hashem, of Avraham understanding that the world that we have is absolute chesed, of Avraham knowing that the greatest chesed you could do is not feeding a person, but bringing him close to Hashem. Avram wasn't interested in feeding Arabs. He wasn't a, a, a shelter. He wasn't a welfare shelter. You didn't come into his house or eat anything unless you made a bracha. How did he with Makar of people? You came in, he said, you want to eat this apple? Who made this apple? God. You know that God made this apple? Then you have to make a blessing on the apple. So his, his hotel was a yeshiva. That's how he was Makar of them. He wasn't interested in feeding Arabs. That wasn't his thing. That's how he was Makar of them. Because he understood that the greatest chesed is helping your friend into the next world. Yes, it's very nice. You give him money, you give him a ride, you give him a car. It's very finite. But if you could save a guy, if you could stop a guy from getting drunk, if you could stop a guy from doing an Avera, if you could help another Jew break surface and feel the sun and the, and the sky and the wind, and I'm talking about the spiritual sun and the spiritual sky and the spiritual wind and the spiritual rain, if you can do that, then you save the whole world. You saved his world. You saved the whole world. And you'll be able to turn around one day and say, that guy, I, I got him through the surface. My orchard, you can have your own orchard. And turn around and say, these are all the people that I slept through the surface. But you got to push. And it's work. And don't think you're going to walk out of my shear and automatically you're going to become religious and automatically you're going to change. No way. It's work. It's pushing in the dirt. It's pushing and pushing and not listening to the people who are telling you that Moshiach and Ganeidan and everything these rabbis in the Torah is telling you, it isn't true. It is true. That's the Yitzhar, but you got to push. Because if you don't push, you're going to end up 18 feet underneath the ground, just a piece of wormwood. Because you didn't grow. There's going to be nothing that's going to come to the next world. 
And that's what this Pasha is. Lech Lecha Ma'atzcha 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 Says the Zoya, it talks about when a person's born and when a person dies, he says that when you leave the other world, you're underneath the Kisei HaKovan and Hashem goes over to the Neshama and he says, Lech Lecha Ma'atzcha 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 I am Ma'atzcha He says to the Neshama, Loshan Azoya, he says to the Neshama, you have to leave the, this world the other world, and you have to leave my house, and you have to leave the place that you were created, you have to leave Olam Haba, and you have to come down to this world, El Eretz Asher Eka, to the world I'm going to show you, and the Nefesh comes down here, and then when a person dies, Hashem says the commandment again, Lech Lecha Me'atzecha, you have to leave the Neshama that left my world, now you have to leave this world, because you got to come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, back to his world with something. And that's what Avraham Avinu did, and that's what we have to learn, and if, I am sure 100% that everybody in this room has the koyach to push, and has the koyach to grow, and you just have to stop listening to everybody that's telling you that you can't do it. Because the bottom line is that to live for God is much greater than to die for God. So our objective in this life is to live for God. And starting tonight, we all need to start living for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's chus. We will all have the schutz to see that we finally broke the surface and that we'll all be able to point and say everything the rabbi said, Ganeiden, Mashiach, Olam Haba, the third base, Hamigdash, no death, no destru- dest- destruction, no prophet, Shalom, bias, everyone's going to be healed. You're going to see people that don't have legs, all of a sudden their legs are going to grow. You're going to see blind people, you're going to see people with cancer, there's no camp Simcha, and there's no camp Hask, and there's no, no for, the Jewish, for the blind, and there's no Eguda hotline, and there's no abuse hotline. What do you mean? We're in this dirt. But you got to believe and you got to push because one day you're going to be able to say, ha ha, I told you. It's true. And that's the day of Mashiach. May we all be zaycha in this chutz of coming to shir, in this chutz of learning, in this chutz of trying. May we all be zaycha to see that day all together, all of us together, and God's Christ all together. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.